Wow. Well, what a privilege it is to be here with you. What an amazing church you are. Wow, you're a great family, and it does help when you've got a great building. I mean, that really makes things a little bit easier. It really is superb, and I feel really, really honoured to be here, and even more honoured to be able to speak to you this evening. I used to sell lecterns. Did you like? It's a nice one. I used to sell lectins, and I'm, but the trouble is I haven't sold them for a while, and I'm like, is this one of ours? <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't think we did the square bit at the bottom, but it is very nice. <laughs> um, it's a privilege, I told you that. And, and then I might be distracted a little bit from the views, because that's amazing, isn't it? And you're going to be distracted. You're going to be so busy looking over here and over here. I'll do my best to keep your attention. I really will. I dance well and I sing incredibly. So that's going to be fun. Um, I'm guessing, because, because of Pete and Kim, I'm guessing all of you are really quite um, sporty. <laughs> I'm not sporty in the slightest. But I have to have some sort of link into the first bit of what I want to say. So sporty is that link. And um, I'm guessing also, because of your proximity, proximity to London, you, as many ta- people as possible, got up to the Olympics. They, well, even if it was just Pete and Kim, I'll have that. Well, I'm not sporty at all. I don't watch it and I don't really do it. Um, even when there's a big, you know, it's a World Cup or anything. Although I do get very frustrated when we keep losing. So, I mean, there is an emotion that's stirred up. But when we win, I'm, I celebrate. I love winning. I love seeing people win. I love it when the teams are crying because I know that their whole life they've put into that time. And... Um, at the Olympics, you see, you have, you have the winners that we see, the bronze, silver and gold. We, you have that. But behind the scenes from the ones that get the medal are a whole load of winners. There are a whole load of winners. Those people for that year or that race or that event have beaten their personal best. And, you know, for those people, that's... All right, I'm pushing a point here. But that's nearly as good as standing on the podium. Because you see, without beating your personal best every time, you're never going to get on the podium. So there's all these celebrations. And, and you know, we are called to be the best that we can be. And you know what? This journey, you keep hearing the Christian life, it's a journey. It's a journey. It so is. If you're fed up of hearing it, I'm really sorry because it really is a journey. A journey of personal best after personal best. Every day I wake up and I want to be better than I was yesterday. Tim's going, oh, yes, please, Jesus, let her be better than she was yesterday. I think that more than him, I'm sure. And so, and so today, uh, depending on time, and I, I'm not going to look over in this corner because she's going to keep me very much to a certain time, after my husband. Were any of you here this morning? So my husband decided it would be a really good idea to have a ministry time. An hour and a half later, 
You know, so, so I hope you all got your ministry this morning. So I've been, I'm on strict instructions. Anyway, so tonight we're going to get through as many of my five points to your personal best as we can. Okay. Because it is important. In John 10, verse 10, I'm reading from the message. So don't, Jesus told this simple story. That's good because I need that. But they had no idea what he was talking about. I need that. So he tried again. I'll be explicit then, says Jesus. I'm the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more better, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. You've heard it, that they shall have life and life abundantly. So what could abundant life look like in you? I wonder what abundant life looks like in me. What would it look like in this church family? What would it look like in this city, in this area, in this nation? Well, a very, very, very wise panda. Oh, Lord. A very, very wise panda called Poe, apparently. I've not seen the film. In Kung Fu Panda, he said... You'd think they'd use their wisdom to keep alive, really, wouldn't you? But they chose not to. And um, he said, your real strength comes from being your best you. You know, that's what God's called you to be. Because by you being your best you, you're going to change the world. And so, beating your personal best day on after day after day after day. The world can't help but be different. It just can't because you were made in the image of Christ. He created you. So you being the best you is going to be completely and utterly world changing. Because that's how you were made. And so many of us don't live in, I mean, Tim was talking this morning about only living in 5% of the, you know, only know when you pick up your iPhone. Actually, we only use 5% of it. And that's so much of us. We were made. We were created for greatness. And there's only a few of us that live in the fullness of our greatness. I'm joking. Sorry. I've yet to, you have yet to. Anyway, so the first key or the first step to your personal best. See, I'm just sharing from my story. That's all I know. I just know what God's done in my life. I was saved at eight years old. And, um, and the whole of my journey has been, the whole of my spiritual life has been a journey, but really radically changed about 12 years ago. So I, I was such a late developer about 12 years ago, God just started meeting me and he took me on this journey. So I'm sharing from my journey. So the first thing I learned is I had to learn how to distinguish the truth from the lies this is key. And I, I go around the, the country and I find that a lot of people don't realize this. You know, or every success starts up here. Because if we don't believe we can do something, we probably won't do it. You ask any, anybody that's conquered anything, 
They couldn't conquer it unless they believed they could. If they hadn't dealt with all the, 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 the rubbish that's been bombarded them. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 to 6, it says, we use, so okay, I'm starting again. So, so we have these truths and these lies in our heads all the time. Can you remember um, Tom and Jerry? Oh, that's nice. You can remember Tom and Jerry. So Tom, he would, when, when you got Jerry, Jerry hadn't spotted him, he'd be sat there. And Tom would be like, I can get him, I can get him. And suddenly, he'd have a little angel, Tom, wouldn't he? Flying over it, going, don't do it, Tom, don't do it. And then you've got the little devil, Tom. God, you can kill him and eat him, he'll be gorgeous. So, we know that even Tom had voices in his head. He had thoughts come in his head. And the majority of time, those thoughts are from either the devil or the Lord. You do have thoughts yourself. I don't think God's that interested in what color you do your bathroom. Although I know he likes Cerise Pink. I do. Um, So you have thoughts, but the thing is, what happens is, we get a thought in our head, and somehow we think, because it's there, we have to own it, and it's ours. It's rubbish. Nuh-uh. Thoughts are being fired into our heads all the time, because the the devil is a liar, and a cheat, and he steals. And he's the father of destruction, so he's after throwing thoughts in your head all the time. But guess what? They're not yours. And you don't have to have them. You don't have to believe them. You don't have to do anything with them. What you do have to do is you have to um, take control of them. It's not the thoughts that come in your head. It's what you do with them. And God's given us the tools to do that. So in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 to 6, it says, We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by, shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. They're weapons. You know, we have the weapons to destroy these lies, but sometimes we just have to be able to identify them. So, so when a thought comes in your head, what you have to do is, where's that come from? This is pretty easy to do, but so many, and, and if I sat down and talked to you, you'd go, yeah, yeah, that's right. But what we have to learn to do is continually walk in that. So when a thought comes into your head, does it line up with what God says about you? And I haven't got time to go into all that. You know what God says about you. You're a new creation. You're brand new. When you got saved, when you asked Jesus and Joe, when you repented and made him Lord of your life, you are brand new. There was a divine exchange that happened at the cross. So what you keep thinking of you isn't you at all. You're a brand new creation. You know what else? God created you in his image. So if a thought comes into your head and it doesn't line up with God's image and you being the same as God, then it's not yours. In Genesis, it says God saw everything that he'd made and what did he think of it? He said he's good. 
What's that thought? Does that, does that follow up with that? If it doesn't, it's not yours. God so loved the world that he sent his son not to condemn it. Does the thought that comes into your head, does it make you feel absolutely rubbish and worthless? Guess what? It's not yours. It's this. Sometimes we get a thought in our head and we get so condemned because we've got the thought. The devil's like, I didn't have to do much there. No, it's true. Though, isn't it? Oh, well, we must be, we must be evil if we have that thought come into our head. Jesus was fasting and praying in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. The devil still came and taunted him. Come on. We need to understand that we can take every thought captive. When we start discerning between the truth and the lies that come into our head, we are going to walk into our being, being our personal best, into having personal best and being the best us we can be. You know what the devil's like. He's a liar. He's a, he's a thief. He's a destructor. The devil doesn't want you to know who you are. He want, he does not want you to know your destiny. He doesn't want you to know who your dad is, the plans and purposes. He wants you to wallow in fear and trepidation and self-pity. I battled with, I battled with this for so long. I was an extrovert, but inside I loathed myself. I used to introduce people. Anybody visiting? You know, we asked, is anybody visiting here for the first time? I used to go up. When we pastored the church, I'd go up to the to visitors and I'd go, Hi, I'm Sue. I'm the crap pastor's wife. How terribly, terribly sad. You know, I used to say that because that's who I believed I was. And I thought, I'm going to tell you how rubbish I am. Before you find out. I never thought I was spiritual enough, clever enough. The list went on. And it wasn't until I started believing what God said about me. That things started to change dramatically. But even when I did, the thoughts would still come in my head. But I understood that I just had to work out. Is this the truth? Is this a lie? And have you ever watched Supernanny? Oh, I love the television. Can I just tell you, I love television. Do you know, it's been such a release for me to be able to tell people I love watching the television. I love it especially now because you don't have to just watch what's on the television. You know, you save up all your programs or you've got now. So you can watch sense, sensible things. But Supernanny. Okay, how many of you? That's a sensible thing, right? Supernanny is great. Oh my goodness, it's so good. So, you've got Super Nanny. We might only get on to point one. So, you've got Super Nanny. Uh, does anybody know? So, she has the naughty set. You've all heard of the naughty set, right? So, she'll go into a house that's complete anarchy, really. And she's trying to show the parents how to, uh, to discipline the children. And her idea is, for however old that child is, they need to sit on the naughty step for if it's five, you sit on the naughty step for five minutes. I'm not advocating this, but I'm going to give you this little tip to help you. So you sit it on the naughty step. Now, 
when this is first introduced, the child's not going to go, yes, mummy, thank you so much for disciplining me. I will sit on the naughty side. The child's up. As soon as the mum turns about, the child's up and off and up and off. And the mother just has to go, or the father just goes, gets the child, brings them back, sit on the naughty side. You might say, you, 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 you disobeyed or you, you didn't do what mummy asked you and you're going to sit there for five minutes and you walk away. You don't have conversations with them. You walk away, and if he follows you, you put him back. It's exhausting. Honestly, you watch it, and you think the the parents are sobbing with frustration and exhaustion. But eventually, eventually, that child gets it and sits there for five minutes. I'm not saying, I'm not advocating that, but what I'm telling you is if you do battle with what comes in your head, And you can start to learn to identify, is that from God or is that a lie from the enemy? Then what you do is you put that lie on the naughty step. You don't get into a deep, engaging conversation with it. You say, you are a lie. You are from the father of lies. And you go on the naughty step right now. Maybe don't say it out loud. But it works. And you see, what happens is the, 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 the liar gets fed up because he realizes that actually there's other targets better than you for your lies because you just keep putting them on the naughty step. And this is how you can beat your personal best. Because it's enough, it's, it's enough now. For children of God being held back by the lies, the twisted lies. Sometimes they, 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 he'll use truths of a past, something that happened by he'll, and so it sounds like, well, it sounds true. But if it brings life and godliness, guess what? It's probably from your dad. But if it doesn't, it's not. Nothing that makes you feel rubbish, con, you know, um, uh, conviction brings life. But if it brings death, then it's not from God. So you put it on the naughty step. We have been given authority over our thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So even when I started doing that, even when I realized that, I'd still get the lies. I'd still walk in on a Sunday morning. I'm I I so know who I am. And I'd walk in and the first thought that would come in my head is, look, nobody wants to talk to you, Sue. Nobody wants to talk to you. They've all turned their back on you. Well, I knew that wasn't true. But every time, and I just put the thought on the naughty step. No, no. That's not who my dad says I am. That's not what the truth is. So that's step one. Learning. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, we'll move on. Learning how to identify the truth from the lies and learning that you have the authority to take every thought captive. It's so good. God is so good, isn't he? Okay, step two. Oh, this is a biggie. Okay, step two. On your personal best, you need to stop 
And I need to stop comparing myself to anybody else. It's absolutely lethal. Another fantastic strategy and gift from the father of lies. Because comparing yourself, you will never, ever, ever achieve your personal best if you're comparing yourself. A very wise man called Anon said, be yourself because an original is worth more than a copy. You see, you were never designed to be like the person next to you. You just weren't made to be like anyone else. And yet we tie ourselves up in knots trying to be exactly that, like everyone else. What? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it all comes down to identity, which is a topic I love, but it's, it, I could, without it, that's a week on its own. What God says about who you are, you're his workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus. You've been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus. In Luke 12, verse 7, He's talking about, this is in the, in the message, he's talking about canaries. Um, how much is three pet canaries? Some loose change, right? But God never overlooks a single one. And he pays even greater attention to you, down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by all this bully talk. You're worth more than a million canaries. Do you know when God made you, he made sure that you were 100% not like anyone else so he you know your fingerprints completely different do you know what else is completely different your lips i think it would have been much more fun if we decided to do lip prints instead of fingerprints i just think in the police stations it would have just been more entertaining right you pucker up but it's true our lip print is completely our tongue print is completely different if you run your finger down the around the edge of your ear you know it's completely different to anybody else's you were never meant to be like the person next door to you and yet we we absolutely tie ourselves up in knots because we're not like the person next to us it's crazy our dna you know the story about our dna that we're all created with with our own individual dna and you know that there's a there's a, a scientist in in sheffield i think it is that's that's been able to put dna to music have you heard about that and you can pay to have your dna put to music and uh, we had um dano uh, dan dan dano um he came and did a conference with us and and he would he played some music the most beautiful music. And he said, that's the DNA of a swan. <gasps> wow. Wow. And then he played some more and he said, that's a dolphin. I'm like, oh my goodness. If God gives a dolphin its own DNA, wonder what yours must be like. And he tells this story that just, oh, it makes me cry. So am I annoying you walking backwards and forwards? Oh, shit. Um, I, um, he tells this story, and I'll try and do it briefly. So there was this family in America, and they were obviously had lots of money. And they decided that for a Christmas present, they were going to get all the family's DNA put to music. 
So they sent it all off, and on Christmas Day, they were all their extended family, and they played it. Now, the majority of time, um, the music was like an orchestra music, and so they were all weeping, and, oh, listen, listen to grandmas, and let's listen to... Well, it got to the last person. Now, the last person was the youngest daughter's boyfriend. And the youngest daughter's boyfriend wasn't saved, but they really, and you know, they'd been going out, they weren't engaged or anything. He wanted to include him. So they put his on. Now, bearing in mind, all the others had been orchestras. They put his on, and it was just this little melody on a keyboard. I don't know what it was. I'm making that up. It wasn't that. Um, and this, this boyfriend started crying. And they're thinking he's crying because his isn't an orchestra. He's just got a keyboard. But no, he said, he said, ever since, he said, I don't play the piano. But he said, ever since I can remember when I used to, when I walked past a piano, I just played a little ditty. And it's that. We have our own song. We have our own song, and yet we spend our whole lives trying to be like somebody else. It's just got to stop. It has for you to walk day by day, beating your personal best. You've got to start believing that you're worth being. You were never designed to be the person. I'm stopping. Um, You see, you could say, yeah, but Sue, you don't know. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know where I came from. I don't care if you take that in the nicest possible way. I don't care. I don't care how old you are, and I don't care what people have said about you or your mistakes or your failures, but what I do really care about is you and me understanding that that we, each one of us, has been made by a mighty, creative, omnipotent king of kings. That we, and that's you and me, have been created just as we are. We've got a destiny, a plan, and a purpose just for us. We, that's you and me, have got our own song running through our veins. God never designed you to be anybody else but you. But by your continual comparison, you're keeping yourself from being exactly what you were designed to be. You won't look like me. You won't look like your neighbor. You never were meant to. Yeah, comparison definitely is one of the devil's deadliest tools. And today it can stop. Today it's got to stop. If you want to reach this world, if you want to reach this area, you've got to stop believing the lies and you've got to stop comparing yourself. I'm going to tell you the other three. Maybe you'll invite me back another time. No, what time? I I was told 20 past. Oh, go on then. Right. (laughs) Trouble is, this is a biggie, but we can do it. It's going to be my personal best. Okay, so the the third step to your personal best. Is living shame free. I can't not do that. 
Because I tell you what, carrying shame around with you, you're never, ever going to be or walk into the fullness of what you were created to be. You're never going to be beating your personal best over and over again. We've already read it, John 3, 16. He, God so loved the world. He sent his son not to condemn the world, but it to save it. Shame and condemnation was never God's intention. It's not from him. It's not for him. It's not a way to keep you down, make you change. But it is a gift. It's a gift from the father of lies. He's a generous, generous guy. He will give you every gift he can to keep you down. Shame, you know, we, we, we can think of a shame as being a big sin, and it can be. It can be a little sin, but it can also be anything that stops you from opening up and being yourself. Anything that you think, oh my goodness, if they knew that about me, that would end our friendship, that would bring disconnection. Shame says you're not really worthy. You're not really worthy to be used by Holy Spirit. You're not really worthy to tell people about Jesus. You're not really worthy to be part of this church. You're not really worthy to have this friendship. Because the truth is, but the truth is, if you're born again, if you've repented, if you've received God's forgiveness... We've already said you're a new creation. Shame has no place, has no place in our lives. Because shame was buried. Jesus took our shame. He took our shame and he went down to hell and he left it there. When he rose again, our shame was left there. So do you know what shame is? It's a figment of your imagination. It's not real because he, he buried it. I know it can feel it. I'm not knocking how it feels, but it's just another lie. It's just another lie. You know the, oh, this is a good scripture. Hebrews 8 verse 12. Oh. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Isn't it? That is, surely you think that's an exciting scripture. That he chooses to forget your sin. So let me just paint a picture. So if you've done something or something was done to you or you missed something or whatever it is that's got you in shame. You're walking around a little bit like this. I love you, Jesus. I don't feel worthy, but I love you, Jesus. Why don't you feel worthy? I don't feel worthy because of when that happened or that happened and that happened. Do you know what your dad's doing? I don't remember that. I have no idea what you're talking about. And we're doing it. What do we think? Do we think we're just being humble before the King of Kings? No, we're not. What we're saying is, thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. I really appreciate what you did. It's just for me, it wasn't enough. 
for me and for, for my shame, it just wasn't enough. Are you saying that? Are we saying, of course we're not. Of course we'd never dream of saying that. But by carrying shame around with us, that's actually the reality of what we're doing. Shame will always stop you from your personal best. God has no idea why you're beating yourself up. He chooses to forget if it's a sin. And if it's not, he's going, but I took your shame and your iniquities. So what do we do? What do we do with our shame? We're going to deal with it in a minute. We recognize it. Anything that's, that's, that's making you feel unworthy of connection, relationship, belonging is shame. Where you live, who you're married to, what you do for a job, where you were brought up. Don't let them know that. Don't let them know that. It's shame. And we need to choose to believe what God says about it, that it's been dealt with at the cross, that he doesn't remember it, that he loves you unconditionally, that you're not defined by your past. You're not defined by your intellect, your marital status. You're not defined by um, the qualifications you've got, what your paycheck is. That is not who you are. Your shame and your sins are forgotten and buried. So right now, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask that if any of us here is walking in shame, if we've been held back by shame in any way, that you would reveal that to us right now because we want to be free. We want to be set free to be our own personal best. So if Holy Spirit has... um, If Holy Spirit has identified any shame, I'm not going to ask you, but I want to break it off right now. We we don't want to go another day living in shame. So if if you want to have the shame broken off, I want you to stand. I know it's not easy. I know it's difficult. But if you want it to walk free from shame, knowing that you're worthy, you're worthy. There is nothing you've done or maybe thought you did anything that that is too big to be taken to the cross there's nothing and today your papa god is saying oh hallelujah they're gonna finally leave that where it belongs is there anybody else because you know standing is a, even though it's difficult, and I really understand it, but you know what? Living in shame is even worse. Being shame-free is the, is, it's a gift. Okay, so if we stood, okay, I'm going to say to each person standing, shame off you. Shame off you. Shame off you. Oh, shame off you. Shame off you. Shame off you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that what you did was so enough. (laughs) 
thank you that what you did was big enough and brash enough and bold enough to completely, utterly obliterate our shame. And tonight we choose to leave it in the grave. It's not ours. It doesn't belong to us. We, we, we choose to see it. Um, oh. We choose to see it disintegrating and going moldy in the grave. And Jesus, tonight as we stand, we receive afresh the truth about who you say we are. We receive afresh the forgiveness that you gave us. We choose to receive afresh the knowledge of who you made us to be. And we bring our shame and we leave it at your feet. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to give something in return. What do you give in return for our shame? Hmm. Just receive that in faith. Just receive that in faith. Whatever Jesus gave you. And if you didn't hear anything, that's all right. You will. Shame free. Shame free tonight. You're going to walk out of here. And shame free. And then you know what? When that thought comes in your head and wants you to bring you down in shame, you know what you're going to do? You're going to stick it on the naughty step. Because it's just a lie. Shame is nothing to do with you. It's not your inheritance. So Holy Spirit, just minister to each person stood here. Cleanse, refresh, renew. Oh God, that they may never be the same again. In Jesus' name, never be the same again. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Please be seated. He's so good, isn't he? He's such a good God. He's such a good God. Right, I'm definitely going to finish. Okay, the, the fourth one is protecting your heart. We ha- we're, I'm not going to deal with it. It's so important. In the natural, we're continually bombarded, aren't we, about protecting our hearts. And it's so it is in, this, in the spiritual. And, and we're talking about um, attitudes, unforgiveness. These are all things that are going to clog your heart up. And, and trust me, they will stop you from being the best you. They will. And the last one is you need to choose to show the real you. That's a hard one, but it's a real one. You know the world, the world sees fake so easily. We think it's so, we put on our masks. We, we show everybody what we want them to see. Do you know what that makes us? Hypocrites. It makes us hypocrites. And the world sees through hypocrites so easily. It's time 
to take our masks off. Do you know what? There's nothing more encouraging to me than knowing that you're going on your journey. Nothing more encouraging to me than when, when I hear that you've been through this or that, but God's brought you through. Wow. I'm like, me too. Or can I share you my, because it's real. It's life. I'm spitting. It's life. That's excitement. I didn't get anybody. I didn't get anybody. It landed in the middle. Anointed middle. Anyway, enough. But you know what? If tonight, I haven't had time to finish it, but that's okay. God knows. But tonight, if in your heart, anything I've said has just, um, you've thought, yeah, that's me. I need to watch the truth and the lies. I need to, to know who I am. I need to stop comparing. We've done the shame bit, but hey, if you want to stand again, that's fine. So I'm going to say, if, if, if any, if you, if today you're thinking, I'm going to make some adjustments in my life. I want every day for me to beat my personal best. Then I want you to stand and we're just going to finish close and we're going to pray. I won't be asking you to come and line up for any. <laughs> I love you, but. So, Father God, you see, you see us standing here before you. Our hearts are that every single day we beat the previous personal best. Because we love you so much that we want you to delight in us. And we want our lives to be a delight to you. So, for every reason that's being, for every person that stood up for whatever reason I pray that you would seal the truth in their heart that from this day forward they would leave here armed with the knowledge about the truth and the lies that they may know who they are and and realize they were never meant to be like the person next to them they're unique they've been born for a purpose that only they can fulfill And that we walk out of here living shame-free. Our heads held high. We are the king of kings. Kids. I mean, come on. We have got royal DNA running through our veins. We've got nothing to be in shame about. So we dedicate, we commit ourselves to you, Father, that every day, for the sake of the world, for the sake of the world, that we commit to every day beating our personal best, that our journey may take us into into life and godliness, for your name's sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.